Welcome to episode 245 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. If you like Stageworthy and you listen on Apple Podcasts, I hope that you'll leave a five-star rating and a comment. Your ratings and comments help new people find the show. Or, even better, if you know someone that you think will like the show, tell them about it. Some of my favorite podcasts became my favorites because someone I knew told me about them. And remember, you can find and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify just by clicking the handy subscribe button. So if you do tell someone about Stageworthy, let me know about it. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod. And you can find the website with the archive of all 245 episodes at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PhilRickaby. And my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is Joylin Secunda. Joylin is a Vancouver-based actor dancer, singer, and puppeteer. Her comedic web series about social distancing and quarantine during the COVID-19 pandemic is available now on her YouTube channel. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. Here's our conversation. Joylin, thank you for for coming on and and being a guest on the show. Thanks very much for having me. And you're in Vancouver. Yeah, that's right. I right now I'm living in Coquitlam, which is a suburb suburb of Vancouver. But yeah, I've done a lot of work in Vancouver as well. Is I'm that is Coquitlam uh, like is that your main base of operations, or do you is that just where you are, pandemic wise? Um, well, right now I'm living with my parents. I've been back here for about a year. Um, but I, most of my jobs are in Vancouver. So I think of myself as being from Vancouver, even though I, I do <laughs> currently reside in Coquitlam. <laughs> so you are described on, uh, say for example, your, your Twitter account as an actor, dancer, singer, clown, puppeteer, and yogi. Yeah. Can you unpack some of that? Like, cause that is all, that's a lot. Some people, I mean, I love that that we are all so many of us hyphenates. You might be one of the one of the most impressive hyphenates I've seen. So, um, oh, what thank you. <laughs> in terms of in because ter- I in terms of 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 your path, where did you start as all those hyphenates? Did you start as an actor, a dancer, a clown? Like how how did you where where was your starting point? Well, um, I started performing when I was five. Um, so I come from a performing arts background with my family. Um, my dad was a, a physical theater performer. He had a mask company um, before I was born, and that's how he met my mom. And she was a ballerina and contemporary dancer. Uh, so I grew up in this household with a lot of arts surrounding me. Um, at the time of me growing up, my dad was a high school drama teacher. So uh, even though I was not in high school at the time, when I was five, he let me be in one of his uh, one of his productions, and I really enjoyed it. So uh, throughout my childhood, I got to be in several um, 
high school plays before I even made it to high school. Um, and then I also did a lot of acting as a kid. Um, and by the time I was 12, I knew I wanted to be an actor. Um, and then in university, I studied acting. I have a BFA in acting from UBC. Uh, and then after graduating from university, uh, I got really interested in other styles of theater, not so much traditional acting. So I started exploring clown, puppetry, mask, um, and getting more into dance. I started dancing, I guess, when I was 16. So a little bit later than typical dance school kids. Um, but I guess when I was growing up, I kind of didn't want, I didn't like the idea of getting in a, um, a leotard and tights. And I just really hated that, um, the feeling of it. I think I was really like, I was very sensitive to um, clothing and things like that. So I was like, I don't want to wear a leotard. So my mom didn't want to push it since she was a professional ballerina. She felt like I shouldn't be obliged to uh, follow in her steps. So I was more into acting as a kid. But then once I got to be later in my teens, I started getting into dance. And uh, since my mom is a ballet teacher, I took her, I've been taking her ballet classes for, I guess, 10 years now, actually. So she teaches adult ballet classes. So yeah, that's how I kind of got into like very um, various uh, performing arts. Um, I still consider myself mainly an actor, but I think of myself more as a physical actor. So I like to take many different movement disciplines and put them into the work that I do. So your entry into into performing was was basically as the the kid in all of the high school uh, theater productions whenever they needed a needed a child for whatever show they were doing. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't always like a kid character. Um, so the first show that I did, it was called Earth, Air, Fire and Water, and it was a devised uh, movement theatrical piece. Um, so I was five when I did that. Um, and then the next show I did was Jesus Christ Superstar. So I was one of the tormentors. So it's a movement mm. role. It's not definitely not a child. It's just a kind of spirit type role. So it could really be any, any person to play that. So I was one of those. Um, and then I guess I did play one kid role, which was in Bye Bye Birdie. I was mm. Randolph, the little boy um, with a cowboy hat to cover. I have really <laughs> long hair, so I have to stuff all my hair under a big hat. Um, yeah, so that was one actual kid role that I played. <laughs> at, at what point in all of that did you figure out that performing was something that you could do? Like, I guess as, I, for your yeah, I guess I always knew that it was something that was possible to do as a career because my parents were both um, artists and both of them uh, made their career in the performing arts uh, and had their entire income coming from their performance. So I always knew it was a possibility and I don't think I ever doubted that I could do it. So I was really lucky to have um, the support of my parents and also the um, just be able to look up, look up to them and what they had done. Um, so I don't think I ever, it was ever a realization. It was just kind of something I took for granted as, as a possibility. Um, but obviously living as a, as a performer, I mean, it's not as easy as, as you think, of course, there's so many challenges mm -hmm. as I'm sure, you know, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I always had, had, had the knowing that it was a possibility for me. <laughs> So did you, you, because your, your, your parents came from, from performing in different disciplines, did you ever, you never had to have that, 
that that sit down with your parents and sort of say, Mom, Dad, I want to be a performer. <laughs> no. Break their hearts that you weren't going to be a doctor sort of thing. <laughs> I think it was very obvious uh, that I wanted to be a performer from a very young age. And uh, even as a kid, like at home, I would always put on performances after dinner um, like improvised shows like pretty much every day. So <laughs> I think it was always pretty obvious. And our family, we really, um, we really like worked together a lot because even when my dad was putting on the productions, my mom, because she was a dancer, often choreographed uh, the dance numbers for the musicals. Um, and then I was always there at rehearsal, whether or not I was in the show or not, I'd always be watching um, if I wasn't in it. And uh, so, yeah, we've always been a, a team as as performing artists is there something that you learned leaving like becoming a, a professional actor performer that was a surprise to you after um seeing like being in rehearsals as a child is there something that that sort of like struck you as like oh that's different um i don't know if it was really like a a surprise but i think in every training that I've done, um, whether it's the like BFA acting program or any clown workshops or puppetry workshops or anything, I always learn something new and it's like, I'm always discovering. And I think it's less, less about the actual training itself, but more the process of going through different exercises, uh, and led by different people. Uh, it just makes me see see things in a different way or discover something different just by going through and continuing to do the work. So I wouldn't say that um, there was like a aha moment or anything that I learned from a specific teacher that that I would say is um, changed everything. But I think every teacher that I've had, I've, I've learned so much from and I've really benefited from, uh, from their their instruction or their unique voice or yeah. So I, I think, yeah, it's kind of both. It's like, uh, I don't think there was anything that, that changed or it was like, Oh, this is totally different. It was just, uh, every, every, uh, everybody's approach is, is different to the work and I, there's different, yeah, different techniques and stuff. So, yeah. I guess there, there needs to be a certain amount of an open mind because, you know, when I was in theater school, um, our acting teacher lamented, all of our bad habits that we'd picked up over the years as, as uh, quote unquote, amateur actors as, as untrained actors. And um, there were a couple of, of people in my class who had really had never acted before and just sort of like came, they were sort of like the moldable um, uh, with the moldable actors with no bad habits. And the rest of us had to be divested of of all of our tricks that we used in high school or whatever did you did you find anything like that uh moving from um and did you go to theater school even yeah yeah i have a bfa in acting uh from ubc so, so yeah not a conservatory program but it's like a, a degree program um and yeah uh i yeah i definitely know about that i think certain programs um, have a bit more of an approach where they really want to start you off at the bare bones with, and, you know, say, forget everything you learned before this, we're going to teach you from scratch. Um, the program that I did, I think that they, they acknowledge that that's definitely, um, something that happens, but I think a lot of the teachers, um, they really had the approach where we're going to teach you a bunch of different things. 
and take what you want. Well, during the program, obviously, take our advice, do what we say. But they said, you know, it's kind of like we're giving you a bunch of tools that you can put in your toolbox and take what works for you. And if it doesn't work for you, you can, you know, forget about it after this program. But obviously, during the um, the time being of the program that you should, you know, do what they say because it mm-hmm. works better. Um, and I really like that approach because I think for me, I don't necessarily fit into one mold of, of the ideal actor for a certain style or a certain approach. Um, I want to be my own person. Like I want to be uh, the performer that's unique to me. Um, and I think, you know, if I'm working in a production with um, a director who has a specific vision for style, I'll adapt my myself as a performer into whatever that style is. But what I've noticed actually is um, after I, I graduated from school and I started um, thinking about like, what do I want to do with my career? Um, one of the things that I did first was make a solo show. And in the process of making that show, it's called The Moaning Yoni. It's a physical comedy um, which features a talking vagina character as many as well as many other characters. Um, but what I discovered as I was creating that show is that um, I'm, you know, I, I can be, I think the, I'm the best performer when I'm uniquely myself. So just taking the skills that I have and um, who I am as a person and who I am as a performer and putting that on stage rather than trying to mold myself into a specific aesthetic of what a actor should be. Um, I think that works a lot better. Hmm. I want to come back to uh, the Monignoni, but first I wanted to ask about, uh, well, when I, it's, it's interesting to me, uh, the more people I speak to, the more people are hyphenates in terms of how they describe themselves. But when I was in theater school way back when they told us, don't let it like, just be an actor. Don't let any, if you have other skills, don't like, if you have other things that you want to do, don't tell people about those. Don't, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're a fight choreographer, if you could do, if you're interested in that, don't either do that or don't tell them because all you'll ever, all they'll ever want you for is that. Now I see so many more people embracing the thing, all of the things that they love. So it, it's like, you don't have to just be an actor. You can be passionate about different disciplines and do them, do them all and be all of those things. Um, did you ever feel uh, uh, like that somebody was telling you to constrain yourself or were you, was, were you encouraged to, to be all the things that you are? Well, when I graduated from the BFA um, and then I started getting interested in clown and puppetry and other forms of um, physical theater, uh, I started thinking, oh, maybe I should just um, not try to be a normal actor anymore and just be a physical theater performer Um, and and just like not even audition for any more um, acting things. But then I thought, you know, why why restrict myself? Um, so right now I'm pretty much open to any form of performance that I'm able to do. If I have the skills, why wouldn't I, um, you know, audition or why wouldn't I do, do that? Um, I, I think it's just limiting to, to put yourself into a box of, I I only do this one thing. If somebody has one specific, very niche thing that they only want to do that, I totally support that. But for myself, I love the fact that I'm a, like have a lot of 
diversity in the techniques and um, and genres and styles of performance that I do. Uh, so I really want to embrace that and just um, continue to grow. I love, um, in fact, I, I love even learning more and more different skills. So Because I think, especially with the kind of thing that I'm doing, um, because it's very physical, I love to put as many different physical skills into the performances that I do. Um, and I just think it's more interesting and exciting to watch if there's if there's so many surprises, like, whoa, now she's doing that thing. I didn't know she could do that. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's talk about the Mona Yoni. Now you've performed that. I know about uh, Montreal and Vancouver fringes or the, is that right? Yeah. So I've, I've actually done it in six fringes across Canada mm. and a couple music festivals as well. So over 50 times I've performed the show in total. Um, were you, have you done it in Toronto or were you going to be coming to Toronto this year? Uh, so I actually did perform it in Toronto. It was the first time I performed it. So I debuted the show in Toronto. Um, but I also was planning to come back to Toronto Fringe this summer uh, mm -hmm. with a new solo show. Ooh. And yeah, that's, well, right now it's called Hamlet Unhinged. Okay. Um, uh, and yeah, we were in the middle of creating it when the pandemic hit. So we kind of right. took a break from that. Um, we thought, oh, maybe we'll just keep working on it. And But since we're, it doesn't look like live theater is going to be happening anytime soon, yeah. uh, we took a pause from that and then started working on Isolation Nation. Right. So We'll get to that too. Yeah, I want to ask you about um, the Moaning Yoni. Can, what's, what's your elevator pitch for the Moaning Yoni? Um, okay. So the Moaning Yoni, it's a physical comedy. It's set in a psychedelic healing circle where this young woman puts a magical elixir on her vagina and then her vagina comes to life. And so I play all the different characters, including the, the vagina um, and this very hippy dippy uh, healing lady and all these different guys that this um, young woman meets in her dating life. Um, and yeah, it's, it's mostly comedic. A lot of um, uh, physical humor, some dances where I play different characters in the dances, um, and some more serious moments as well, but mostly comedic. Um, in all the places that you performed it, was there a particular uh, uh, city or theater where uh, people uh, embraced it the most? Is it was it was it sort of like because I, I, I when I first read about the show and I saw that you performed it in Montreal, my response was like, yeah, of course that like Montreal would eat that up. Yeah, I mean, every every city, I think, has a bit of a different kind of feeling, um, but I, I had really good response overall. And I actually performed it over the course of three years. So the first year it was very early in its development and then um by the time I got to last summer, the show was a lot more evolved and polished. Um, and well, I think I, I, it was well rehearsed from the beginning, but the actual content of the show, I, I reworked some parts and added songs and um, just changed some some of the structural elements of the show. So um, I think personally, I think it was a way better show by the third year. Um, and I think that was also reflected in, in um, like the audience side 
like the audience um, attendance um, and also my publicity materials improved. Yeah. So a lot of improvements happened over the course of the time. But I think overall, I got a really good response from audiences. A lot of people said they laughed so hard, their their abs hurt by the end of it. So like <laughs> people really liked the show. Um, I think it mostly appeals to kind of new age hippie types. Um, also people who are really in, into like intersectional feminism. Um, and uh, just pe- people who care about like uh, sexual discovery or sec- like sexual well-being um, and relationships, um, and also the show addresses some issues of toxic masculinity and like um, rape culture or like hmm. sexual assault issues. So people who have either like an experience of that or an interest in that subject matter um, definitely can connect to the show. Uh, so. Yeah, so all those kinds of people ha- enjoy it in different ways. Um, and also young people like myself, like millennial generation, um, probably can relate to a lot of um, the cultural sort of references in the show. But there's also some cultural references because I actually, my dad um, is the director, David Sekunda, Um, So we collaborated on the show. So there's some um, references that even like uh, older people would uh, get more than younger people. So it's kind of like we tried to make it for a broad range of, yeah. of people. Um, it's interesting. You mentioned the the way that this show evolves. I think um, only by doing a show, especially something, there's something about a solo show that you sort of like need to get it in front of an audience a few times, get to like live inside the show with an audience before you can really um, start to really know what the show is even. And to to say, oh, this is a moment that needs more time, and this is something that 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 I can cut back on. Like these are lessons that an audience teaches you. I think totally, that's very true, and I think it's especially true with um, clown because it's very interactive. And mm. so I know some people they may not see the show and think, oh, that's a clown show. But I think a lot of clowns or people who know know what it is to do clown would probably describe it as a clown show and that's how I see it um because it's not like a red nose kind of thing and I don't dress in a weird outfit um well that's questionable but <laughs> no um <laughs> but uh it's there's a lot of like character humor and um audience sort of timing where it's it's kind of dependent on the audience um so yeah in creating the show I definitely um like the more I worked with an audience, the more the show got better. And mm. now I feel like it's it's almost like a conversation with the audience, the entire show. It's like every moment I'm kind of lis- I'm I'm listening to the audience, I'm watching the audience, and I'm responding uh, to what they're doing. So even though it's entirely scripted and and choreographed, and there's not any really content that changes. Um, from show to show, every show is very different because it's just the feeling I'm getting mm-hmm. as I'm doing it from the audience. Um, I, the the idea of clown not needing a red nose is something that I'm I'm very glad to hear you say. I mean, I love red nose clown, but I'm always I I do sometimes feel like we limit clown if we only consider it to be a red nose thing, and that it can be so many other things, and it's really just a way of of perceiving and interacting with an audience 
as well as reacting to what's happening in the world rather than, or your world in that moment, rather than a piece of a piece of a costume piece or a, or a prop. Yeah, totally. I, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that especially in sort of popular culture, people who maybe aren't familiar with um, the art of clown, there is a lot of misconceptions about clowns. Um, and that's really unfortunate. And um, yeah, so I, you know, I hope that people, you know, hope to raise awareness about clown and what, what it can be. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess that just kind of feeds into the same idea of like, why limit your your view of what something can be? I think mm-hmm. that the the approach to clown and it's kind of it's more of an approach to performance is how I see it rather than an, an aesthetic. So um, it's it's about like playfulness and interaction with the audience and um, not taking yourself too seriously, things like that. Hmm. So why don't we talk about isolation nation? Okay, sounds great. <laughs> So, um, yeah, Isolation Nation, it's um, my latest project. It's a comedic web series about social distancing and quarantine during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm creating it with my family once again. Um, And so I play all the different characters in the show. And um, it's written by my dad, David Secunda, and myself, and my mom, Linda Arkellian, who's the ballet teacher. She's doing the... um, videography and then I do the editing. So it's a family project for quarantine. <laughs> now, in terms of doing the editing, is that a skill that you already had or is that something you learned in order to be able to do this uh the 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 web series? Um well, I've done some editing but not too much really and so I'm definitely learning some new skills that I didn't know. I if I don't know how to do something that I want to do, I just Google it and <laughs> watch a YouTube tutorial or something. And then, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's definitely not, I would, wouldn't would say it's on the highest uh, of my list of skills, but it's something I can <laughs> I can do if need be. Um, in terms of like when writing this, this thing, how quickly did you turn around the 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 show because you know we only started like really quarantining at least here in toronto around march 15th ish and mm-hmm. so um at what point did you start working on it when did you decide that you needed to work on it and and what was the process of writing it like well the idea came about because i saw there was like an opportunity for um it was like a grant type thing not exactly a grant but Um, So I applied for that, but then I guess it wasn't really a good fit for that. So, um, but then I was like, well, I didn't get it, but why not just do it anyway? So I decided just to, to do it. And, you know, I have nothing else that I have to do. So um, all, you know, all my work is canceled. So, and I'm, because I'm getting served too, I think of kind of, I'm imagining it as like, well, I'm getting the, the CERB payment. So I could just think about that as like my paycheck for making this um, web series. Um, so yeah, so that's pretty much what I've I've how I started. It was just kind of like, oh, we should do something. Um, let's do this. And then um, it started out just as a simple idea. We thought maybe we'd do four episodes. Um, so we've put out three so far. The fourth one's ready to put out. So I think I'm going to be posting it on Sunday. And then we've now that people seem to be enjoying it, got a positive response from 
from the people who've seen it. So um, we just thought, why not make some more? So we're working on episodes <laughs> five, five and six right now. Um, we've written them and we're starting to shoot them. So we're not rushing too much just because it is a project that's just for the fun of it. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're working hard. It's a lot, it's really a lot of work. The episodes are between, I guess, like five to eight minutes or something like that so far. Um, but I was just thinking about how many hours I spent on one episode. I think episode hmm. one, I probably spent like 40 hours at least, um, wow. creating, <laughs> which is a lot. But if you think about it, um, it's, it's really different than if somebody is doing like a vlog or like talking to the camera as one person, um, like in episode one, I play six characters, um, and so, yeah, episode two, I think it's two characters, but episode three, there's eight characters in the show and each one it takes um, like a full day to do. So the wow. way we did it, we shot um, the first four episodes all at once. So each character, I would, we'd do a day for each character. Hmm. Um, although one of the characters, it took three days and one character it took two days. So um, yeah, so I basically, I get dressed, put on the makeup, put on the hair. Um, and then we film all the, all the lines that that character does in the setting, in their different settings. So, um, yeah, so it definitely is a very time consuming, uh, task, but it's been really fun. And I've always kind of wanted, well, not always, but for a while I've wanted to make, um, some like comedic videos for YouTube where I play different characters. Um, especially when I was making, um, the Moaning Yoni for theater, um, there's, a limitation because nobody wants to wait a long time while I'm changing my costume. So I, you know, I wear one costume for the whole show, even though I play 17 roles. Um, but I was thinking, oh, it would be just so fun to dress up like different characters. And then really not just, um, you know, people can use their imagination in theater, which is the beauty of theater. But I thought, you know, it would just be really fun to explore just dressing up as the different characters in addition to doing the physicality and the voice and all the other elements of performance. So yeah, so this is kind of me just getting to try that out and and um, having fun with with this new medium. Now, have you written for video before? Is this is this a new kind of process? And writing with uh, with a partner, with your father, in order to to create it, are there pitfalls that you're navigating that you're learning to navigate? What is what does writing a web series look like? Um. Well, I guess when we started out, we thought mostly about you know it was very it was quite episodic like oh what could be one thing that would happen and then we made an episode about it but now that we're kind of wanting to continue with it um we're thinking a little bit more ahead so instead of just thinking about like okay here's the the group of characters what's one thing that could happen and then how can we involve all of them now we're thinking about okay the next so episode 5 there will be some things that happen in it that will lead to what happens in episode six and so on. So now we're kind of making it so it's not so much just the same group of characters doing a different thing each time, but having a storyline that continues through. So there's a little bit more planning ahead that's involved in, in that. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, uh, I, I hadn't written for, for, um, film or for like a show or anything like this um in the past so it's definitely a new new experience but it's been quite exciting 
Can you compare the writing of, say, uh, Isolation and Nation with The Moaning Yoni and the differences or similarities in the writing process? Well, I think with um, with The Moaning Yoni or even with um, the the second solo show that I was starting to create, Hamlet Unhinged, there's a lot more time to... Um, it's kind of infinite, the amount of time that you have. Um, but when you're doing um, film medium, it's it's not infinite because when you know you have to say, okay, that's what it is, and then we'll film it, and then we put it out, and it's complete. So even if you think, oh, I could have made that better, you can't anymore. It's too late. So um, so I guess it's a little bit different in that way that it, there is like a finality to it, whereas with theater, it's kind of like um, – it can continue on as many years or whatever until um, you just decide you don't want to work on the show anymore. So it's a bit different in that way. And um, Hamlet unhinged as, as something that that's, that's new. Um, how far in the creation process were you and what, what, what is that show about? If you can, if you can say yet. Yeah. So um, we were, fairly far into the creation process. We had written many different drafts and I think we were on the draft that we have now is, um, well, I don't know how far to the end it is, but I mean, it is, it is like a full, a full written show and we'd started rehearsing, um, and then started creating some of the props as well. Um, there's a lot of dances in it and songs. So I had practiced all the songs and we were going to get, um, I think we had nine, I think, yeah, I think we have nine songs in the show so far. Um, and we're going to get some musicians to create soundtracks to go along with the song so that I could sing along to musical accompaniment because obviously I can't tour with the whole band or anything like that. So, um, yeah, so we were, we were working on that as well. And then we, there's some puppets in the show. So we were creating the puppets. Um, so, yeah, so mostly just the rehearsing and um, creating all the other visual and sonic elements, I guess. That's what uh, we had left to do. Hmm. And and I do what, still plan to do the show. It's just yes, uh, yes. we don't know when. <laughs> that is the that is the 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 problem in in this world that we live in. Is that you know trying to trying to come to terms with the fact that that the theaters are going to be the last things to open, mm-hmm. that they may they'll open restaurants and possibly museums before we get to gather together in a theater again. Yeah. What uh, I mean, what were you already you were already at home when the pandemic hit when isolation had to happen? Yeah. 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 Um, were you? Because a lot of a lot of people that I know, everything was interrupted. All of their contracts. They worked in restaurants, and so that was interrupted, and, and things like that. What What was your situation like at the time that that all of this began? Yeah. So, um, I for the past few years, I've been doing kind of a similar thing. So i I've been teaching yoga um, usually once or twice a week, depending on things. I think I was doing it once a week. I was teaching a couple classes. Um, and then I also have been teaching um, theater workshops for kids. So I do puppetry and um, some sort of improv type workshops and character physicality workshops. Uh, and then also, uh, what else? I have taught some senior workshops. I guess I didn't do that this year, but 
um, teaching movement to seniors and puppetry to seniors. Um, and uh, I also work in the film industry. So I do like background and stand in just for extra income. So those are some of the jobs that I've been doing. I feel like I forgot something just because I have so many different ones. But mm -hmm. um, basically, I'm a, a freelance teacher and performer. Um, so that's, yeah, that's pretty much what what I do for my income when I'm not touring for Fringe or other festivals. Uh, so all of that was canceled. Were any of those things possible to do over Zoom? Were you able to continue any of them after the fact or did it all have to have to go full stop? Well, I have been teaching yoga on um, Facebook Live for a couple months now, uh, so that's the one thing that I've continued with. Um, but now I'm doing it by I'm doing it well, just volunteer um, because uh, the I work for, well the the group that I've been doing that with is with the UBC Yoga Club, so they have um, they ran out of their budget, so now I'm just doing it on a volunteer basis. But I really mm. love teaching yoga, so. I, I agreed to, uh, to continue just for fun and, um, because it's something that I like to share. Um, but yeah, for the teaching, um, drama workshops, I teach through, a, a, um, cultural center and often a lot of, um, school groups come in. So teachers will bring their students or I'll travel to the school and then teach the students in their, in their own classroom. Uh, so that obviously was canceled and they're talking about bringing it back in a different capacity, but I'm not sure how that will look like and that wouldn't happen till the fall or maybe mm. even the new year. So yeah, mm. it's hard. It's hard to know. There's a lot of unknowns for sure. Were you ever tempted to try to do, uh, to adapt uh, one of your theater projects, whether it was Hamlet Unhinged or the Mona Yoni for video streaming? Uh, well, I did think about it. I'm still open to the possibility of doing, of doing either one on on the yeah for like a live stream type thing I think the I think it's a little it's challenging it's definitely a different it would be a different experience watching it um in that format rather than uh live um so yeah the reason that I decided to make isolation nation is I thought okay this is something that we're creating specifically for this form so I knew it would work because it's meant for that form. I think with the Moaning Yoni, it was really meant for a live theater experience. And it's almost kind of, it starts, the show starts out kind of like a ceremony. So it's inviting the audience to be kind of part of the ceremony. Mm. And, you know, my character is talking to them as if they are part of this Yoni healing circle. Um, so it's really kind of inviting the audience to feel like they're part of the experience in a in an interactive way. Uh, mm -hmm. So through a screen, that's not quite as possible. Um, I think it would still be a fun experience to, to watch it through a screen, but it wouldn't be the same for sure. That is the thing that, that everybody who is thinking about streaming their, their shows or trying to do theater on video is, is trying to figure out because theater requires an audience, an audience that you, that you can sense. And live streaming and live video, however you do it, whether it's through Zoom or something else, you really don't have that. So it's like how to perform something that needs an audience for uh, a stream where you can't sense them in the same way as if they were in the room. And that has to be doubly difficult for something that's so heavily based in clown. Yeah, definitely. And I totally feel for all the other performers too. It's, it's, really yeah it's really hard to to be a live 
performer and to to realize you know this isn't going to be possible for quite quite some time so yeah it's a weird a weird time to be in but I think that you know it's good to a good quality to have is adaptability so I'm trying to um you know adapt to the circumstances and I guess my goal always as a performer is to you know to make people think and to make people laugh those are two of the things that I really want like to do as a performer um and so I'm just trying to adapt that into the form that I have access to so yeah so we're trying to make the show funny but then also well the first few episodes are more sort of lighthearted but then we're going to start bringing in some more um political themes as well so mm. make people think a little bit more and yeah so um I don't know where I was going with that but yeah I guess I guess um it's important just to to like adapt to the circumstances and um think about like well for me at least I'm thinking about why why did I want to be a performer in the first place um and and just take that and put it into whatever I have access to mm-hmm there is definitely sort of a, a a sense of like everybody is is learning new things as far as as if you're working in in live video or anything like that like how like just like even how it works can be a challenge and and you look you sound like you're you've learned how to edit video and 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 write for video and all of that stuff and and uh, there's always there's something exciting about learning new new things that that is this this does give us the opportunity to do that. Um, I don't know about you, but when this started, I start I thought I was going to write a lot, and then I found that it was not easy to create, and so I've been trying to to turn my attention to to other things to to try to pick up because writing mm-hmm. when you're stressed is hard. Yeah, definitely, and I think for myself, it would be very hard like to do it on my own. Um, I'm so fortunate to have my family with me to be creating together because we can really like help pull each other up when we're in in feeling despair um, because it is it is really a challenging time and um, I, I definitely um, put out like a positive um, vibe out to the to the like social media and stuff so I think a lot of people think like oh I'm just a joyful person that don't have problems but um, in fact, I was, I sent a message to somebody the other day and they're like, oh, I'm so jealous of you because you're always um, so motivated. And, and I was like, well, really, it takes a lot of discipline to be motivated. Um, it's not like an in- innate thing. I, I feel like some people maybe think if I'm always creating things and putting it out there that it's easy f- for me, but it's definitely not. It's not like, a, oh, this is so fun and no problem. Um, it, it's, it's challenging and there's definitely days where I feel really down and, um, and like isolated because, you know, I don't have access. I can't go to the theater. I can't see my friends just like everyone else. Um, but I'm just, I'm really trying and I'm, I'm really practicing discipline, even though it's not always easy. And there's some days where I fall off the wagon and mm. don't, don't feel like I'm disciplined and lose, lose the momentum. But um, that's, that's one thing that I keep coming back to is, is discipline. And even if I have a bad day or have a day where I don't get anything done, just the next day, I'll try my best once again. So, um, that's been my approach. Um, and yeah, it's a really, yeah, I think for every, anybody who's listening and is an artist, like 
it's normal to have days where you're like not creating, not having anything productive happening. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's just like a normal part of being a human, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. I also think that, that this time has, has put so, so much anxiety into the air. Mm -hmm. Like when this started, I felt like just this very palpable anxiety just sort of floating everywhere that I couldn't, couldn't quite shake. And I feel like that also affected my ability to, to, to be able to concentrate enough and sit down and write. It's either it's subsiding or I'm just learning how to live with it. Um, because I'm starting to feel the the creative urge again. But for a while there, it was like I would sit down with a notebook and pick up a pen and just be like, no, can't. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And I think like one of the things that helps for me a lot is is movement. So I've been practicing yoga and going for walks outside or runs um, and working on handstands, which is something that I'm not great at yet, but I'm improving on. Um, and things like that have, have really helped me just get into my body. Um, and I feel like when I'm more present with my body, I'm able to, um, be creative and be more in sort of a flow state where, um, yeah, sometimes if you get really, get stressed, um, like you get more into your head and disconnected from your body and, and that can be really hard. So yeah, what I, what I worked on, especially in the first month or so of, um, of the, the pandemic was just moving. Basically every day I spent hours just moving. I mean, I'm really into movement. So for some people, maybe just one hour is good for you to to do an exercise or something. But, um, yeah, I spent a lot of hours doing different movement disciplines and stuff. And that really helped me just like start getting back into my body and like de-stressing. Um, and yeah, so then once after that, I got a bit of a bit of a routine going. I'm still not mm-hmm. the most in a routine, but um, then I was able to incorporate more of an artistic practice as well. So just as we start to start to bring things to a close, one of the things that I've been asking people throughout the pandemic um, is about the things that are giving them joy, the things that are, are take are, are bringing them and, be, and making it easier for them to get out of bed. So what are the things for you that have uh, given you joy that have given you the motivation to get up in the morning and start doing things? Well, I mean, I think the movement thing is a big one. Um, also one thing I didn't mention earlier, but um, my mom, she's a ballet teacher and she teaches, um, multiple class uh, I think four classes a week actually but there's two that are open to adults um one's one's like a more open level class and then one's an advanced level ballet class um and since I've been taking her class for about 10 years now um I'm good enough that I'm able to to do it do it as like a sort of demonstrator um so I've been helping her out with that so we do the classes on zoom and I'm kind of like the um the one live student. So, um, sometimes if she'll, she wants to like show something, she can like show it on my body or like give me a correction and then explain that. Um, but also it's nice because that way she'll teach the class and then I'll be the one who's doing, doing the movements. And then she can go and watch, um, the other students on, on, on zoom on the screen. Um, but then if they forget 
what the move is or something, then they can watch me. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of helpful for that. But even just having a rule like that is very helpful for me. Um, And it's really fun because my mom is like, some people think ballet is a very rigid and sort of boring or unfun sort of um, art form or dance. Um, But she makes it super fun. (laughs) So I got to say, I, I, maybe I don't, I, I never probably would have decided to do ballet if my mom wasn't a great ballet teacher, but (laughs) um, uh, I feel very fortunate to, to have the opportunity to um, get to help her out with the classes. So that's one thing that really is like untheater related, but just brings me a lot of joy. And then I really like teaching yoga. I, I love taking yoga classes. I take some online with one of my teachers and, um, and just like going outside in nature. Um, I'm also really lucky here where I'm living is like about 20 minutes up, up this hill. There's um, that sounds very <laughs> unfortunate to go 20 minutes up a hill, but yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, I walk 20 minutes up this hill and then there's this beautiful forest. Um, mm. and so I go for walks there with my mom a lot of the time and that's really fun. Um, so yeah, there's things that, that are just very joyous and, um, and that's really nice. And then also just connecting with friends, even though I can't see them, like a lot of my friends we've been uh, talking on on like video chats and stuff just to stay connected and, and, uh, you know, support each other and stuff. So that's been really nice too, just having that social interaction, even if it's not face to face. Well, Joylin, thank you so much. It's been, there's been a great conversation. Thanks for making the time. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. This has been a Homebody Productions production.